Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hi, James. Hi, Scott. Welcome back to another week. Thank you. Welcome back to you as well. And here we are with another listener question. Another listener, listener, not a listener, a listener question. Yeah, it's a good one. From Laurel. Laurel says, hi, Scott and James. Thank you so much for your podcast. My husband and I are turning 50 this year, and we are way behind in our saving for retirement. We've had a few false starts due to unconventional career paths, so we're not starting from zero, but we have to make up for a lot of lost time. I own my own private medical practice and should be able to work at least into my 70s, but obviously don't want to be in a position where I'm not truly able to work, but am forced to do so. My husband is in business, but has been unemployed for the past one and a half years. Unfortunately, I know we're not alone in this predicament, so I hope this question will be helpful to a general audience. My question is, what can we do to make up for the fact that we don't have the time in the market to allow for the compounding interest to truly make its magic? In other words, how do we make up for lost time? I have a lot of cash sitting in savings, and I'm wondering how to make the most of that. I've already maxed out my individual 401k. We are very careful with the spending side of the equation, so looking for different or looking for direction on the investing side. Invest aggressively. How so? Something else? Question mark. Thank you again for your podcasts. I've learned so much. Well, thank you, Laurel, for that question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, everyone, you know what a what a great question because ever <laughs> it's rare. And I just want to say to Laurel, thank you for your question. But also, it's pretty rare for us to run into someone who's like, "Hey, I I've done everything perfectly." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <I'm> perfectly <laughs> conventional. Here yeah. I am. What what do we keep doing? I just left college and started saving 15% of my salary for go. It's so rare. It's very rare. And so, first of all, Laurel, I think that less than telling you what to change, I think we want to offer a different perspective yeah. on where you are because it's probably a better spot than you, than you may think. Absolutely. Because they're, like Scott said, there's, there's not a quote-unquote conventional career path that every single person takes. So, this will be helpful yeah. to explore this from a different, different perspective. But yeah, extending yourself grace on you are where you are and then allowing yourself to look at what can you do next. Mm -hmm. I just want to give a shout out to Laurel because kudos to her. She's already doing things. Yeah. We already see it. So, so great work. But um, we'll definitely talk about late, later stage investing, what we can do. Um, well, let's make sure we touch on time value of money and whether it's still helpful. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, I kind of, when I think of pretty much when anyone comes to work with, uh, with us at Stone Steps, I always think that you have four things to invest in. You have time, money, energy, and talent. And uh, Laurel has that and her husband has that. And so I was thinking we could just look at it a little bit through that framework, right? Of, of how are they going to use their time, their energy, and their talent and their money to build the life that they want yep. to make sure that they can reach financial freedom. Yeah. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Okay. So why don't we just start with uh, that they're 50. Is that is that a problem? No, I don't think so either. I don't not not in the slightest. Unless she wants to retire at fifty one, that would be a problem. Yeah, yeah. 
but no, 50, well, it's it's not a problem because of what she said, I think. Yeah, she's willing to work into her 70s if she needs to. You are willing, yes, it's, you are willing to look at your time horizon and adjust that as needed, and we're going to make the assumption that because you said you maxed out an individual 401k and because of the type of business that you're in, you have a medical practice, probably makes higher than the standard average American salary. Yes. Which the standard American household makes like about $60,000 a year. Correct. Correct. So where do you want to go with that? There's a, a few different things, levers that we can look at that, that can be adjusted based upon a later start or an unconventional start. Where do you want to dive in first? You know, first, I just want to address the time in the market. Um, if you're 50 and you're going to work until you're 70, you still have 20 years that stocks can be working for you. Yeah. So while, of course, yeah, it'd be nice if I would have done that for the first, you know, 20 or 30 years. Well, you, if you didn't, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, but right now you can still let money work for you. And if you retire at 70, as in, you know, we see that the longevity keeps increasing, we keep living longer, you could easily live to 90, another 20 years. So there could be 40 years of financial life left here. Yeah. Plenty of time to be investing and letting markets work for us. Yeah, absolutely. That That is certainly a long enough time horizon to let money do its thing and compounding growth do its thing. Um, I don't think that's an issue at all. Now, you you mentioned something that I'm going to then tie back into your four things you can invest in. We we talked about the fact that the average American salary is sixty thousand. Well, yeah, that means nothing, obviously, to to Laurel or to you or me or to anyone because no one's the exact average American person. No but just as a starting point, if you're the taking the conventional route, let's say that you you're you as a household bring in sixty thousand dollars, and let's say you do the conventional thing, which is I'm going to save ten percent of my money to retirement, and let's say that you start at thirty, which is you'd say okay, that's a good age to start in many cases. Well. If you do that, so if you save 6000 per year to a 401k or IRA or whatever it is, after 10 years, if you get 8% growth on your money, you have about $87,000 in your investment account after doing that for 10 years. Hmm. After doing it for 20 years, you have about $275,000 in your bank account. After 30 years, you have about 680000 And after 40 years, you have about $1.5 million. Yeah. So that would take you up until age 70 if mm-hmm. you started at 30. Mm-hmm. Now- Laurel, we're looking at this. You said you maxed out your individual 401k, which mm-hmm. is significantly more than 6000 per year. Yep. You have a high income, it looks like. It sounds like you're doing a good job of living within your means. So I don't know exactly how much you're saving, but we just ran this and said, okay, what what if you saved 80000 per year, which is an amount that is higher than most people can save. But if you could, well, after 10 years... Uh, you have about $1.1 million in your portfolio. In fact, if we go back to the average person with a $60,000 salary, after 10 years in the market, so then the market worked for you, you had $87,000 in your portfolio. Mm-hmm. So I would ask Laurel, how many years would it take for you, not because of what the market's doing, but just because of your own savings, to do what takes the market 10 years to do in the quote-unquote conventional path? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep, that's a good point. And there's... um. You know, we're, we'll, we're, I probably may not show up in show notes, but if you want to go learn more about what he, what James is hitting on is when we talk about savings rates and what savings rate we want to see, um, for most people, it's the reason we want to have, you want to see a savings rate usually between like 10 and 20%. And if you want to retire earlier, you want your 
retirement, you want your savings rate to be even higher um, is because that rate with compounding with markets usually gets you to a number that's good yep. in a reasonable amount of time for what people want. Um, there's JP Morgan has wonderful slides on this. It's called a guide to retirement where they go and look through different a income brackets as well as different savings rates based on age and assuming you have no assets and like what, what would you need to be saving? And it lends itself to James's point that the further along you are, the closer you are to retirement for you to get to whatever your, you know, somewhat of a safe number is going to be, you're going to have to save more. It's, it's relatively a simple idea. It's just not necessarily easy to execute. Yeah. Um, but there's also, there's another component there too. And that's, and it ties back into the average American, right? If you are in a higher, if you're in a profession, you know, and you make a higher income and you don't have a need to keep up with the Joneses and you can choose to live like you're the average American for a bit, you'll be able to save a tremendous amount. Mm -hmm. But it's usually, there's a mind shift there that happens too, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um when when we work with uh, young doctors coming out and they and they go from residency to to earning their full salaries, sometimes if you if you can use the idea that if you can just continue to live like a resident for a few years, you'll create a foundation for yourself that's huge. Yeah. Right. Well, here Laurel and her husband are at a different stage of life, but the same principle still works. Yeah. The more we can be content with the life that we live, the less that we need to spend. Which it sounds like they've already done a great job working on that taking those extra funds and putting them to work in a tax advantage manner or tax efficient manner and letting it go and grow is only going to do better for them. Yeah. Put them in a great place. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. If they can, and I think the mindset shift is the key here. If you can focus on hitting that number and spending the first few years and maybe Laurel and her husband already passed that, maybe not. Um, but of keeping living expenses as low as possible, it only takes a couple few years to to make up for that quote unquote lost time. But even that lost time, you you mentioned this by saying, you know, when a client comes in, you say there's four things you can invest in: time, mm -hmm. money, energy, talent. It it's not lost time in the sense that okay, well, Laurel or people like this have spent their first twenty years still investing. Right. They just invested in their own talent, their time, yeah. their energy, their talent. Exactly. It just wasn't the money side. Exactly. And because of that, now there is now more money to invest yes. to make up for that. Yes. It's just, it's the, it's the, um, the other component is just whether or not we, we don't know where Laurel and her husband are. Like, are you in a position where you can choose to, um, to spend less if you want? Right. Because it's really just looking at the choices that you have and then making the best, best available option. Right. Taking it from there. Yeah. Right. So I think, you know, of course, we don't know what do they want retirement to look like, how much they want to be able to spend. But I would say that they, they, you are very much on the right path. We know we've done episodes on solo 401ks, backdoor mm -hmm. Roth IRAs. What are some of those savings tools? So that, that information is certainly out there. But I wouldn't get too discouraged or feel too behind because you're just now starting. I think you can quickly make that up. Absolutely. And when, because um, you're, you're 50 where you're at right now, when the, and then you, one of the things they mentioned was how aggressive they want to be with the stock market. That yep. is another lever that they can choose to pull, right? So like savings and living expenses really go together. Yeah. Because the more, if we're making the same amount of money and we don't live into our pay raises, we can save more and more and more and create financial freedom faster for ourselves. Yeah. And then the risk that we're taking, you want to make sure you're not, you want to make sure you're not putting yourself in a position where you're going to, um, 
shy away when when markets uh, test you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess is the way I would say it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if if you still have twenty years to retirement, you, there's there could be a case to be made to be more aggressive with those those funds. If you don't, if you have an emergency fund and you don't have a need for these funds, but when they go down, just stay stay the course and be excited that you can keep putting money into that individual four hundred one k as well. Yeah, really. Bring on the downturn right now. It's probably to your benefit in this situation. But I I fully agree. I don't I think there's a tendency to look at risk tolerance and how much should I have in stocks versus conservative investments based upon your age. Yeah. But it really should have nothing to do with your age and more your your time horizon. Yeah, your goals specifically. You, yes. When do you need this money? Mm-hmm. If if you're 50 and need this money at 53, maybe have a big portion of this that's not too aggressive because that's a short time horizon. Yeah. But if you're 50 and you have 20 years until you're going to start drawing this down, yeah, you could absolutely make a case to still be investing in an aggressive way because that's going to maximize growth potential over mm-hmm. that time. Yeah. You know, it kind of ties into risk tolerance too, but one of the things that hit me was it sounds like Laurel's earning an income right now. Her husband um, is has been out of work for a while and probably is trying to find work as well. But it shifted. I, I shifted immediately to thinking about risk in the capacity of like, yes, investment risk, but also just risk of, for the family. Yep. If, if she has a really high income um, and we need that money to come in to build our financial assets, you know, a term life policy or something like that might be worth looking at even yeah. at age 50. Oh yeah. Right. It's worth protecting those. It's human capital that hasn't translated to financial capital yet. So protecting it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And disability, um, a private disability policy could also make sense. It might, again, it might be pricey, but it may be worth looking at. I, yeah, I fully agree. It, obviously, we don't know anything about, uh, we know Laurel's husband was in business, nothing the last one and a half years, so I have no idea what that's going to look like going forward. But right now, it seems like Laurel's income is the only income, and so that income needs to be protected yep. through a life insurance policy should something happen to her, plus a disability policy should there be a disability and she's no longer able to uh, collect that type of a salary. Yep. Yeah. Um, what about some some things like, you know, we're talking about partial retirement or sale of practice. Are, are those things that we should factor into this? Yeah. You know, when, when I think Laurel mentioned an individual 401k. So the answer is, I don't know, but I'd be interested to know more. Are we building a practice that can have ongoing value beyond um, her? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, like some pra- some practices and some businesses are designed to do that and others aren't. Yeah. So the the value could be the income that she's generating now and it's not really an ongoing business that you can sell. Right. Or it may be an ongoing business that you can sell and if that's the case, it may be worth also investing in the business mm-hmm. to help grow the business to make it a saleable thing. Yeah. That can also be really valuable. Yeah. Um like like you're saying if the business is Laurel and the time she spends serving patients, there's probably not any value to sell the business because mm-hmm. it's just her time and when she retires it's done but if there is a business that usually typically has other employees and other factors to it then a lot of times people get so focused on what's in my 401k and what's in my savings and investments and they kind of neglect to look at their business as an asset too mm-hmm. so i'm not sure if this is the case with laurel um we we're discussing if it's just laurel probably not the case but if this grows into a business business well, then that's a way to really make up for a significant amount of quote unquote lost time because you now have a business that's worth an amount that could replace 401k savings for all those years. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. 
You know, I think another thing to bring up when we're talking about business is, is shifting to her husband and talent. I'm sure he's talented at what he did, whatever that is. And one of the issues, so one of the things to, to be mindful of would be looking at time, money, energy, and talent, knowing that you have time left to do, to do something in a career. Uh, is it, do we want to do a career shift and move into something else? I think it can be, it can be, um, it can be challenging to extend yourself grace that it's okay to go try something new. It's also okay to do move laterally or even move down a peg to move back up again. Mm-hmm. That can, and we don't know anything about this specific case, but just figuring out what do you want life to look like and then go finding the network and the people and the talents and the skills that you have to go do that Yep. versus um, maybe you've had one job and you feel like you have to find that job again. Yeah. There's probably, there's so much time left to invest in yourself and find things that you love to do. Absolutely. And the other thing is like, if you go from, if you guys, if, if we're, if we're already making enough now as a family and one of you goes and makes less than you used to make, but is still contributing, it's a huge help yeah. to the family reaching financial freedom. Yep. It's all extra. It could all be banked away. It could all be catch up. There's, or it could be used for like the things that we want to be doing in life where maybe we cut so far to the bone because things were really tough right now. Yeah. And then we're still, we need to get that savings rate up. But now we, we're going to go make an extra X number of dollars a year. And that's going to be used for all of the family vacations and planning of, you know, they, I didn't see if they had kids or not planning future weddings and like, what are all the things we want to be doing? Yeah. Well, that can be used to, to bring life to your life. Yep. Yeah. I, I fully agree. Whether it brings extra savings or it brings the, the balance to enjoy the here and now. Yeah. It absolutely contributes, even if it's seemingly a lesser position than than what happened before mm-hmm. or what, what it was like before. Um, cool. Well, what, I mean, just some takeaways for Laurel or takeaways for people in similar situations where it's unconventional or they feel as if they've gotten a late start. What would you say the, some of the, what questions should they ask? I would say one of them is probably, what do you want retirement to look like? What, what does that, what is the goal that you're aiming for? Yeah. You know, in terms of how much income needs to be created because then you could back into a savings plan of, how much do I need to save each year to get there? Mm-hmm. Are there other kind of takeaways that you would leave her with or leave other people with outside of that? Or you think that'd be the main one? Well, I think the, sim- the simplest version is just know that of your annual income, your money is going to go to savings. It's going to go to living. It's going to go to taxes. And it's going to go to any debt payments. Know what those numbers are. And then you want to be looking at how to increase your savings rate. So one of the ways you can do that is to look at, is there any way you can increase your income? We've kind of talked on about that a little bit, right? Not only for Laurel, but for the family. Mm-hmm. We just talked about that. Um, you know, another thing to remember is a lot of people think like there's this number you have to hit, but there's things we haven't touched upon. Um, you know, as you, you've already earned enough, some income to a point where you have some type of social security benefit that will eventually be a benefit for you too, at the age of 50, more than likely. So you probably won't, you know, what you think you need versus what you actually need could be two different things. Yep. Um, and what I mean by that is like just a mat. maybe you need, I'm just going to make up a number. Maybe you need 80 grand a year to live on, mm-hmm. but because you're the husband and wife have earned so much income at the age of 70, they'll make like, I don't know, 45,000 of social security. Mm-hmm. Well, now we need to replace 35 grand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't need to replace 80. Right. Right. So it's not nearly as scary, right. but it can feel scary. Still, having that higher savings rate is just going to help you make a stronger foundation now and grow. But I think the other thing, I don't know if we actually mentioned it, um, if you enjoy work that you do, if you can have a really high savings rate now, 
you'll eventually get to the point where it'll be okay to take your foot off the gas. Yeah. And maybe you want to keep practicing, but you'll only practice two days a week, not five days a week. Mm -hmm. So now you make less money. Maybe you don't even save to retirement accounts anymore. Maybe you just make enough money to cover your costs of life. Yeah. While you let your portfolios continue to grow, the time value of money keeps working for you. You keep delaying social security, which is that we get that extra 8% per year past our full retirement age. So you're just allowing assets to become stronger and stronger and stronger while you're still doing work that you enjoy. To, to me, when I'm running projections for people who are in that year right before retirement or a couple of years before retirement, that's the biggest factor is one extra year of work, even if it's lesser income and you're not saving a substantial amount, has a huge impact yeah. because of that. It's one more year for your investments to compound. Yeah. It's one more year of earnings that the social security uh, just factor social security equation is taken into account it's one more year of delaying social security which increases it. Yep. it maybe you are saving a little bit which is one extra year of savings one less year spending down your portfolio there it's just there's so many good things that come from that one extra year of work mm-hmm. that are incredibly impactful and of course you have to balance that if you're miserable at work and you can't wait to get out of it and if your work is preventing you from being able to do things with family or travel or whatever then you know, I've seen the opposite of people working too long. Yes. Even when they should step away. But know that one extra year of work has a huge impact by the time that you get into your, well, 60s, mid 60s and beyond mm-hmm. that takes the place of a lot of savings. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, anything else you would add to this? I think that's it for now, but I hope it was helpful. I know we had to keep it really high level, but you can do this. <laughs> we, we believe in you. Yeah. And not, not like a, you need to dig yourself out. You can do this and it's just going to take a long time, but like you're probably in a better spot than you even realize Yeah, just as it stands today. Just mm-hmm. look at it from a different uh, standpoint mm-hmm. um, and you'll probably just be just fine. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.